So today's episode is sponsored by Audible, and we both really love Audible. (laughs) We are obsessed with Audible. What are you guys listening to right now? Right now, we are listening to two different, um, very different books, actually. We're revisiting the Ramona Quimby series because it's so lighthearted and fun, and it's just a family favorite, and we can all enjoy it equally, and we love her adventures. And we needed, um, we were having some trouble with re-entry into the school year after a very fun September. We're starting later than we wanted to. And Ramona's helping us just kind of have fun together when we're not, you know, muddling through some other stuff. But um, we're listening to that. And we're also listening to Grimm's, the complete Grimm's fairy tales, which is kind of the opposite and kind of very dark. But we're in a fairy tale folktale phase right now. And it's been really fun to listen to these stories with the kids. What are you listening to? We're listening to something a little bit dark too. We're listening to Peter Nimble and his fantastic eyes by Jonathan Oxier. And my daughter wanted something a little spooky. Um, and what I love is this week she, we were working on something and she said, we need a new audiobook." and you're able to go on in like three clicks. You have a brand new audiobook downloaded and ready to go. So, um, so we're enjoying that. And then in the car, the three of us are listening to a book that is intended for adults. So parents will want to make sure that they preview it because there's some language and some other things in there. Um, but it's called Assassination Vacation by Sarah Vowell. And, um, my husband and I listened to it several years ago and I remembered it being really good history, but also funny. And so we're all really enjoying it. That's great. And sisters can check out Audible for free. They go to audibletrial.com slash sisters. They will get 30 days free plus a credit for an audiobook. So they can check it out, see if it's a good fit for their family. That's a great deal. That is a good deal. So again, that's audibletrial.com slash sisters. Hi there, and welcome to the Homeschool Sisters podcast. I'm Kate. And I'm Kara, and we're two homeschooling moms doing this homeschooling thing right beside you. We don't have it all figured out, but one thing we know for sure is that homeschooling is a lot easier when you have a sister by your side. Hi, Kate. Hey, Kara. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm so happy we finally get to do this episode. Me too. We've been talking about it forever. We have, and we just needed to get somebody who was super confident about math and also really easy to talk to and fun. And so we called our friend Kate Snow from Kate's Homeschool Math. Such a fun episode. So Kate is a mom, a math educator, and a curriculum creator. She has five books already, um, and she's working on more. She's taught math from preschool to high school, and she is the only person, as far as she knows, to graduate from Harvard with both a math degree and an elementary teaching certificate. I she, love it. She won't brag about that, though. You have to like pull that out of her because she's a little shy about it, but she's, she's a smarty. Um, and so so she, she's homeschooled her own kids, so she knows you know what it's like um, teaching math in your own home and the worries that we face as homeschool you know, parents. Um, but she's on a mission to help parents teach math with confidence. So we just thought she would be the perfect person to talk to about math today. So should we give her a call? Yes. Okay, let's have a quick message from a sponsor and then we will call Kate. So our sponsor today is Epic and Epic is the leading digital library for kids 12 and under. 
Epic has more than 25,000 high-quality, popular children's books, videos, quizzes, and more. So we've both been lucky enough to test out Epic with our kids, and what has been really great is that it's packed with books that they want to read, you know, the ones that they're pulling off the shelves in the library and you're seeing in bookstores right now. It's got so many current books. Epic has a lot of popular books that you would see when you're looking online or when you're in the library or the bookstore, and my kids really love it. Some of the current titles that they have are Where the Wild Things Are, A Wrinkle in Time, Big Nate, Ramona, Sesame Street, and National Geographic Kids, which is a big hit for my 10-year-old. Yeah, and you know what's nice is that you can look up a topic and then you'll find tons of books related to that topic. So it's basically like it's perfect for unit studies or for a kid who's got a new interest and wants to dive deep. And it's one of those things where it's a screen that you have zero worries about because your kids are just learning and there's no commercials and there's no in-app purchase concerns. You're just safe and your kids are reading books. It's just $7.99 a month and you can cancel anytime, but I don't think you'll want to because you'll find your kids are really enjoying it and they're discovering all kinds of great books and it's all right there at their fingertips. It's so handy. And Epic has a lot of really great parent features. One of the things I like is that they have a digital reading log and that's perfect for homeschoolers. So you can actually keep track of all those books your kids are reading online. So Epic has thousands of audiobooks too and um, read to me books. So if your child is learning to read or just trying to get fluent with reading, it's the perfect fit. With Epic, parents can create up to four customizable child profiles per account. And you can also create personalized collections for your children to use through the parent dashboard. So to get Epic for two months absolutely free, go to getepic.com and use the code SISTERS at checkout. Hi, Kate. Hi, Kate. Hi, Kate. Hi, Kara. How are you today? I'm great. It's great to be here with you today. We're so happy that you're here. We have been wanting to talk math and get really like down and dirty with math. <laughs> we get a lot of questions. Needs it. Yes, I know. It's such a stressful subject for so many moms. So I'm thrilled to be here and see if we can unpack some of those questions. Perfect. Well, can you, you start out by telling us a little bit about yourself and your family and your work? Sure. So my name's Kate Snow, and I live in Grand Rapids, Michigan, with my husband and my two kids. Um, Henry is 11, and Elizabeth is 8. And I am a total math geek. I've always loved math. I majored in math in college. And then I went on to get an elementary education certificate. Um, I thought I would want to teach high school math, but I decided I didn't really want 100 kids coming through my classroom every day. I wanted a smaller group of kids. And so um, I got my elementary ed certificate, taught classroom, uh, fifth grade classroom in, outside of Boston for several years. And then um, once my husband and I were ready to start a family, we moved to Grand Rapids. And here we had our kids, and I started homeschooling them. Um, and as I started to homeschool them and get involved in our local homeschool community, I just discovered how many questions people had about math. So we were in a classical conversations group, and we'd sit around, you know, like the lunch tables, like in one of those weird multi-purpose rooms in a church where it's like carpet and a basketball yep. hoop, toddlers <laughs> running everywhere, you know, <laughs> like, you know, weeks and weeks of like this is chaos lunch. But as the mom started to 
realized that I had done a lot of research on math curriculum, um, that I knew a lot about teaching math, they would come and like ask me all their questions, you know, so be like, I taught this concept and my kid still doesn't get it. And what can I do? Or like, I think this curriculum is making us all crazy. What should I do about that? Is it okay if I switch or not? Um, and so I realized like there, there was this void for families with math in homeschool. And so um, that Christmas, I actually, like, as a New Year's resolution, started my website. Um, I was like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to start a website. Um, And I had not the faintest idea how to do it. So I literally Googled, you know, like, how do you start a blog? (laughs) Found, like, a tutorial online, just did, like, every single thing it said, because I did not understand anything about the big picture of it, all the technology, like, so not my thing. Wrote my first post and sent it out to, like, my 20 friends. Um, and it's the only New Year's resolution I've ever kept. <laughs> so <laughs> I kept going with it and writing articles. Um, and then that summer, um, I had like self-published a little book of all the activities I do with my kids as preschoolers. Um, and I self-published on Amazon. I was, it was so much work. It was so hard. Again, I'd like be Googling, like, how do you design a cover? And I would, you know, design a cover and be like, okay, I guess that's what I can do. How do you upload this? How do you do all this stuff? Um, but I knew that Susan Wise Bauer was writing a new edition of the well-trained mind, which is, you know, the big handbook of curriculum recommendations. Um, and so I, very like quakingly and with lots of fear and trembling, sent her an email being like, would you mind considering my book in the new well-trained mind? Good for you. Um, It was so scary. And I was just like, oh, nothing is going to come of this. Um, But then she emailed me back. And the the funny part of this story is I was actually in the DC airport when I got her email back. Like I almost missed my flight after hanging out with high school friends all weekend. And I was like, almost missed my flight. I'm surrounded by like grumpy commuters and like luggage. And then she sent me an email saying, you know, I really like this book. Could I publish it through Well-Trained Mind Press? And so I almost like fell over. Wow. <laughs> I wanted to show all the commuters like, look, look, somebody wants to publish my book. Um, and so that was uh, like three and a half years ago now. And, um, and so from there, I've continued to write articles on my website. I've written four more books for the Well-Trained Mind Press about teaching the math facts in a way that's fun and effective and doesn't use a bazillion flashcards. Um, and then I do lots of tutoring of homeschoolers and um, lots of emails from homeschoolers answering their questions about math. Um, I've homeschooled my kids for five years. This is actually now their second year in a school. We found this teeny little classical school here that ended up being a really great fit for them. And so we're kind of taking it year by year right now and seeing what's best for us and for our family. Um, Mm. But in the meantime, I'm still surrounded by homeschoolers and love helping homeschool moms teach math with confidence. So I'm really excited to be here today and really excited to get into it. Oh, fun journey. That's amazing. Isn't it great how you send out one of those emails and you think... Well, what the heck? And then something happens. <laughs> I know. I still kind of pinch myself. I'm like, somebody publishes my books? What? I love it. And you just... It's important brave. to be brave. It yes. is. It is. And I think bravery is so required when it comes to homeschool math. Um, <laughs> you know? <laughs> like so true. When you're feeling scared of a subject, you really got to kind of take that step in faith sometimes and just see what happens. And my story has kind of reminded me of that over and over. Like, sometimes you just got to do what's hard. You just got to, like, look up somebody else's step-by-step directions for a while until you figure out what you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. 
you know, you said something about you have always loved math. You've always been somebody who... So can you look at anything that happened in your early learning or point to anything that helped you get comfortable with math and enjoy math instead of being kind of, you know, a lot of us don't have that same feeling about it. So was there anything in particular that happened or did you have a great teacher? I think it was really, for me, it was more the order. It's the way it fits my personality in some ways. So I I wish there were an aha moment. I could say, oh, just do this. And then your kids will love math. But for me, I think I just love how it all fits together. And I do think I had some teachers help me see that all along the way. Um, And so that's kind of how it built in like middle school and through high school. But then I did my senior year had an amazing calculus teacher. And she just showed us how calculus applied to the real world. We did all of these, you know, we'd like walk across the classroom and she'd measure our rate and our acceleration and we'd graph it and we'd find the derivative and integral. And um, and she was the one who really inspired me to want to be a math teacher, I think. Seeing her, how her teaching made something as hard as calculus come alive um, yeah. was huge. And then I got to college and was quite discouraged at <clears throat> theoretical math and the college level math. And and so I even actually had in college, like a class I almost failed in math. Like I could not wrap my head around the subject and I kind of gave up rather than really digging in and asking for extra help. I was a little too proud and I was kind of shocked at the fact that, oh my gosh, like I don't get this math. This has always come more easily to me and I do not get this. The professor very graciously gave me a C minus in the end. I did not fail the class, although I think I probably deserved to. Um, but it all that experience actually gave me a huge like respect for when kids have that feeling. Like in some ways, I'm so glad now that I had that class because it really showed me what it's like to feel like I have not a clue what I'm doing and I don't even know how to start to dig myself out of this hole that I'm in. Um, so even though I've always loved it and uh, there have been, it has not always been a, you know, <laughs> an easy relationship. I've not always felt like uh, it came to me easily either. So why do you think that math is so scary for every, I'm not going to say everybody, but I feel like that's <laughs> something we hear a lot. <laughs> and right. We got a lot of questions. When are you going to do a math episode? Um, why do you think it's so scary? Why is it hard for so many homeschool moms? Well, it depends on the person. That's for sure. But I think there's a couple like common themes that I hear when I talk to moms. I get lots of emails, of course, and Facebook messages from moms about this. And one is that moms do not trust themselves in the area of math. And, you know, homeschool moms are some of the most like capable, resourceful, and intelligent women I know. Like, they are doing amazing. <laughs> I mean, that's so true. They're not afraid to get their hands dirty and like figure mm-hmm. it out when something's not working. Like get in there. Um, but because so many moms don't didn't have a very great math education themselves, um, they don't trust themselves in this area. I think, um, and and that's really a matter of education. You know, a lot of moms will say, "I'm not mathy," but I think if you were able to go back and have a great math teacher come alongside you. Most of the homeschool moms I know, they would have thrived in math. It would have been awesome in math. And so um, I think a lot of moms just feel kind of ill-equipped to to do this and don't trust themselves um, for making decisions about math and making that they make all the time when it comes to language arts or science or history. Um, so I think that's one of the big reasons. Is that something you guys see too? Yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Speaking for myself. Uh-huh. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
And, you know, like Kate said, we get so many questions, you know, about math. And I don't think either one of us feel super confident. So we don't know. So that's why we thought we're going to ask Kate Snow. (laughs) (laughs) But then, you know, kind of beyond that, I think math is also a subject where we see our kids' progress most clearly or lack thereof of progress. Um, You know, a lot of subjects, like you can kind of see your kids' writing develop over time. You can see how they gradually spell and gradually improves. They start to remember commas, but it doesn't totally demoralize you when they get a word wrong or they forget to put that comma in. And with math, you just see the page of mistakes. <laughs> it's very clear. It's numerical. You can count up how many mistakes there are and see what they're supposed to do. And, you know, mistakes are really part of the game in math. It's really normal to make a lot of mistakes and for kids to forget a whole lot of the time. So I think that's another reason why when moms see their kids making mistakes, they start to worry and to feel like they're failing at teaching their kid math when really it's kind of part of the process. You had said, you know, parents should do a lot of review and sort of shift their mindset and take into account that kids are going to forget something and need to, you know, mm-hmm. see it again and see it again. Um, and that that's kind of part of how to be successful in math is to just sort of like get comfortable with that as a parent mm-hmm. and know that that yeah. doesn't mean that your child is, you know, never going to understand math or that you're failing as a math teacher. It's just kind right. of part of how math works. So kids will need a lot of review to really get all of those processes and procedures down. Even if they understand the concept, it can still take a long time to memorize all of the different things they need to do to get the correct answers. So for example, my son is a super conceptual learner. He has amazing mental math abilities. But when it came to him learning long division, I had to sit him down and have him do a long division problem every day of fourth grade before he really had all of those steps down and could reliably solve them. And still his attention sometimes wandered and he would get it wrong. But (laughs) but I knew he knew the steps by the end of the year and he could really do it and really solve long division. Um, And so I think parents should never be afraid to add more review to their curriculum. Some include a lot of spiral review. Some don't include very much. Sometimes the easiest thing to do is just write five problems on a sheet of paper every day and have your kid do them for whatever it is. You know, sometimes just instead of looking on Pinterest or looking for worksheets, just write down the three things or five things you know your kid needs practice with and just do it every day. And it's amazing how much you can get done just by quick handwritten practice. I love how smart and how simple that is. Mm-hmm. I know it feels like it has to be so complex, right? Like we need a whole yeah. system for like tracking the review and no, mm-hmm. just write a couple of problems down. Done. I think that's something with when you're homeschooling math, at least speaking for myself, I feel like I need to document everything and make sure we're finishing this part and that mm-hmm. we're near grade level. And are we going to finish our math curriculum this year or are we going to go beyond? And do we stop for the summer or do we keep going? Mm-hmm. I, I think that's a struggle that a lot of parents have. For sure. And, you know, I think a lot of parents are almost trying to like outdo classroom teachers, you know, like <laughs> as a classroom teacher, I never finished the math book. We <laughs> never had time to do it between the standardized tests and the assemblies and the fire drills and picture day and all of that stuff. Most teachers do not finish the math book, but a lot of homeschool parents really put that pressure on themselves 
to get it all done and make sure they have like dotted every I and crossed every T. And really in the elementary years, like if you skip some of that geometry, it's okay. Um, you know, you're focusing on kind of the four main processes, you know, addition, subtraction, multiplication, and division. Like if you can get through that part of your math book each year, like you're going to be in pretty good shape. Um, and I think another thing that's really hard for homeschool parents in this domain is thinking that like every grade level, they have to exactly accomplish those objectives or their child is behind. Like we are done. We are never, you know, my kid's never going to get to algebra and never go to college or community college or whatever they want to do. When really like grade level, especially in middle school is super mushy. You know, sometimes kids start algebra in seventh grade. Sometimes they start in ninth grade and both are totally okay. So as long as you can kind of have your child ready for a pre-algebra program by like eighth grade or so, you're in fine shape to even get through like a full college prep math curriculum in high school. Um, I actually, you were talking about finishing the math book, Kate. I actually have a whole article on my website called, Do I Have to Finish the Math Book? Um, Ooh, I will <laughs> link to that in the show notes. With the reasons why you do not have to and... You know, it's a little early here in the fall to be talking about this, but next May, people should go back to that because I have some ideas for what you can do when you're counting out the lessons at the end of the school year and you want to be done and you're not quite sure how to finish it out well. So people oh, can take so a look smart. at that article. That's so reassuring. So you had mentioned that a lot of parents do feel like their kids are behind. And if that's something that's happening in grade school, it's maybe not such a big deal. We shouldn't get too stressed about it. When kids start to get older... And parents start to worry, you know, when they're middle school or even starting high school. Do you have any advice for that when you feel like your child is behind and you need to play a lot of catch up to get them ready for, you know, the algebra, geometry, trigonometry, calculus, um, you know, PSAT, SAT, ACT, all that kind of stuff? So I think my number one thing that I'd say to parents is you can do this. It's really okay. Um, I mean, I've worked with students who couldn't, I have one student that I'm working with right now. When I started with her in fourth grade, she could not add four plus three. I mean, she had that little number sense. And she's now an eighth grader and she is like flying through pre-algebra. She is going to be so ready for algebra next year. And that was even with a couple of years of kind of some mediocre math in between. Like I tutored her and then she'd gone to a school for a while and then uh, is back under my math care again. And I'm so been so satisfying to see her do so well. So first of all, just to say, especially as kids get older, they can learn things faster. They can get caught up in in a much faster way than um, a younger child can. The other thing I'd say is just because you need to catch up doesn't mean you have to start a first grade program. (laughs) You don't have to like go back and do that program for a year, that program for a year. If you focus on the basics, um, you can get through a lot quickly and get a child ready to do algebra on a, a reasonable schedule of you know, freshmen in high school or even sophomore in high school. But what parents should really focus on then are the key things, which is adding, subtracting, multiplying, dividing for whole numbers, fractions, decimals, and percents. Once the child's got those things down, the rest can kind of all come. <laughs> and so I have some suggestions on my website too for um, curricula that people can use if they're feeling really stuck and need to get caught up. Um, right Start makes a great sort of elementary catch-up program where you can get caught up on the full, uh, with whole numbers kind of in a quick way. I also really like Roddenstaff's sixth grade math textbook is something else I would also put out there for anybody who's really struggling and just feels like they need to get this done. 
their sixth grade math textbook, it's just one year of really boring, one skill at a time, lots of review, lots of Mennonite theology and people, uh, like lots of word problems about prayer meeting and the books of the Bible. Um, It gets the job done. And a child who can get through sixth grade Robin staff is ready for pre-algebra. So if you just need one book to do it, that's one thing I'd recommend that I've been really impressed by. That's really helpful. That Those are some awesome resources. Good. So I was going to ask, if your child is in meltdown mode and math is a pain point for you, what what do you do? When do you know when to abandon a curriculum and pick a new one? And when do you just take a rest and try something else for a little bit? So I would start with kind of the severity of the math tears and the angst going on in your house. Um, When a child is just feeling like they have been beat down by math, like they just are not capable of doing math, they are completely frustrated, it's time for a little break. Everybody needs a little reset. And then I'd say you even need a new curriculum after that. Um, you probably need to drop the challenge level a whole bunch to a place where your child at kind of that Goldilocks challenge level, you know, not too hard, not too easy. You feel like you're making progress. Um, but it's, you know, you're making progress, but just little bits, not trying to push too fast, too hard. Um, and so that's for a child who's just really discouraged by math, little break, then something new. It doesn't even matter what the new thing is in some ways, as long as it's a good challenge level and it's a new, um, that's a good place to go for a child who's more kind of a, an average student who's doing okay in math, but is just giving you a lot of pushback about it. Um, I think it's a good time to really kind of talk with that child about what's working and what's not. Especially for you know upper elementary and middle school kids, they're starting to be self-aware enough to understand kind of what they're liking, what they're not liking, what's clicking for them, what's not. So I think the more collaborative you can be at that stage, the better, because that's how you're going to get buy-in from your kid, of course, on what you do next. Um, but if it feels like it's a it really is a curriculum fit issue, it's okay to switch. I think that's one of the biggest myths in the homeschool community about math. Like, well, once you start a program, you have got to do that program. Like, until they're 12th grade, because otherwise you are going to have math gaps, and then the world will stop. (laughs) Gaps gaps is a very scary word. (laughs) It is. Like, you can just imagine your child, like, plunging into the abyss of not knowing what a rhombus is, you know? And I think that we think, I mean, I, speaking for myself, I have math gaps. I've... Mm -hmm. You know, you go through school and and one of our issues was the year I was in middle school, the advanced track, they switched curriculum and they realized afterwards that we had all missed all (laughs) all of these sections that you were supposed to do and Uh the kids that were supposed to be good at math. So it, you know, schools make mistakes too. It's not, they're not infallible. Absolutely. And if your schools, you know, sometimes schools are just making it up as they go too. Um, (laughs) And if you move or your district switches books, then there's going to be some gaps there. Um, And so, like I said, that's why I really think parents need to focus on those core skills. And if some of these little things get lost along the way, everyone will be okay. But a curriculum that is making everybody cry or that, you know, like you kind of get that pit 
in your stomach when you pull it out because you're getting ready for the fight, like that is a sign that it is time for something different. And it sometimes, it, like I said, it doesn't even matter what that different thing is. But if you can have buy-in from your kid on what you change to, that's then that you're going to have some new forward momentum in a better way. Um, and even sitting down and showing your child like samples of different programs can be really helpful in that stage. Um, and just really trying to analyze what's not working here. Like not just, you know, if you can really figure that out, then you're really going to be further ahead. And when you sit down with that new program, the one caution I would say for people is that different programs, you know, they are on different like levels. And so you should have your child do a placement test. If you're going to switch programs, that will really help you zero in on that Goldilocks challenge level. Um, so that, you know, you don't accidentally put your kid in a like it's still fifth grade, but this is way too easy or, oh, it's still fifth grade, but oh my gosh, this is way too hard. Um, and so don't worry so much about the gaps. Just worry about finding the best fit for where your kid's at right When you were talking, something popped into my head. I had a friend who her son was doing really well in school with math and then they decided that they wanted to align with Common Core um, the next year, and it just threw everything into disarray because it was a whole different way of learning math and understanding math. Um, and the argument that the school made was, well, everybody is learning Common Core. If they don't learn math according to Common Core, they're not going to be able to get into college. As homeschool parents, do we need to worry about Common Core math? That's a great question, and that's one I get a lot. And you know, politics aside, because I know some people have some very strong opinions about Common Core, but just from a um, sort of pure math perspective, it seems like it's getting kind of less and less important at the national level. Certainly the SAT still has some Common Core influence. Um, but for the most part, if you're teaching your child math and they're learning math well, they're going to be just fine, Common Core or no. Um, you know, you might have to do some state assessments along the way where your child could have a couple words that are unfamiliar if you're not doing a common core curriculum. But uh, that's really the main impact you're going to see, which is very small. Most of these state assessments that anybody would be doing are very low stakes. They don't affect a whole lot. You know, the higher stakes tests like the SAT or the ACT, those aren't going to be affected nearly the same way by the common core. Any good uh, high school curriculum of you know, algebra, geometry, trigonometry is going to get a child prepared for those um, tests. And so it really doesn't matter whether that algebra is you know, common core algebra or not. Um, everybody will be just fine. So I know for reassuring schools, <laughs> for the schools, of course, you know, those scores matter a lot to their ranking or their grade or however a state does it. But for an individual parent, that's not something that you need to be really worried about. Good news. <laughs> Very good news. <laughs> um, so I love games and I know mm -hmm. you like games. And I was just curious as a game schooler, what your favorite ones to work? I mean, I know that's broad because you've got all different levels, but what are your, some of your family favorites? Well, one of, uh, one game we really love to play is cribbage. Um, which is kind of, you know, an old school card game. Um, but it's it's just a fun game. It's a wonderful one-on-one -on -one game for just really connecting with one kid at a time. Um, and it also has a ton of mental math in it. There's a lot of making 15s. There's adding small numbers. 
Um, and so you really are killing a lot of birds with one stone <clears throat> with that one game, even as like some combinatorics and probability in it, as you're trying to figure out what your best hand is. And as you try to kind of uh, figure out which cards you should discard and which cards you should keep. Um, so that one is a, a huge family favorite. Um, another game that we, well, we really like to play chess at our house as well. My son is big into chess and, you know, that's less of a, um, obviously that's less of a strictly math game, but kids are building so much in terms of critical thinking when they play, um, when they play chess and he, he can now beat me like 75% of the time, but (laughs) trying to hang in there, (laughs) but you know, he's got time to, he's got time to read chess books and I don't really. So I uh, (laughs) do my, do my best. Um, and then another game that has quite a bit of math in it, and it's also really fun is a game called lost cities. Um, it's another two player game with these beautiful cards. And I believe the setup is that you're an explorer and you are trying to decide like which treasure to go after, but you have to decide how much to invest in each of the treasures. And it involves multiplication and addition and negative numbers. There's a ton of sneaky math in there. But it's also just like a really fun game. Uh, so those are a few of our favorites, but we're also, we're big into games at our house too, Kate. So I, I love your game schooling approach because there is so much that can be taught through games. Um, and that's also the approach I take in all my math facts books. Um, you know, I have a series of uh, four math facts that stick books, one for addition, subtraction, multiplication, and division. And basically within each book, what I do is break down all the facts into group, small groups that kids can learn one group at a time. And then there's a game to go with each uh, group of facts. So kids can really target that one group of facts and not be dealing with a hundred multiplication facts at once and doing it in games rather than just drill and drill and drill. So that's great. Um, and a great about- way to do it during morning time or something to mm-hmm. integrate it, make it fun and easy. Mm-hmm. I love that. That's great. Yeah, I know Brandy Vincel has been doing um, my multiplication book in her morning time this fall, and it's been so fun to like watch her pictures of her all set up at her morning time and the multi-each of all her kids trying out the games and enjoying them together. That's yeah, great. you were nice enough to send us um, a multiplication and a division book, and we are going to start the multiplication one as soon as we get settled in our new house because it's. I think it's just going to help with my my older child to reinforce some of those things and make them fun and approachable. And then with my younger child, we're, we're still working on mastering all those. So mm-hmm. perfect timing, perfect, Good, perfect. <laughs> multiplication facts are just so important. I mean, all the math facts are important, but all oh, those multiplication ones are so crucial for kids be just feeling confident in their in what they can do you know all of the fraction and stuff that comes after you know comes in like upper elementary grades mm-hmm. if you don't have the multiplication facts down they are just deadly <laughs> well i wanted to ask you um if if we're a little bit if we have some math anxiety of our own as parents, you know, if we're kind of, we don't feel confident, we feel worried about whether or not we're getting the answers right ourselves. I mean, how do we keep from passing on that kind of anxiety to our kids? Oh, it's such a great question, Kara. Um, because it's so important. You know, there's even research out there, especially on moms and girls, that moms do tend to pass their math anxiety on to their daughters. And of course, that's not what any of us want for our daughters. We want them to be able to do anything they want to do, whether it needs math or not. Um, and I, I think the 
the most concrete suggestion I can make is to read the book Mindset by Carol Dweck. Um, it's, it, it's really boring, but it's life-changing. <laughs> I, I read it a few years ago, and it just helped really clarify for me what's so important here, which is that you know, whether we are fixed and thinking, well, I can do these sorts of things and I can do, like, I can do math, I can do reading or I can do writing, but I can't do math versus, okay, so I'm not very good at math, but I'm capable of becoming better at math. Having that growth mindset that says, yeah, maybe I had a really bad math education. I really am not good at math, but I could be if I sat down and worked at it. If I had a good teacher and someone who would guide me along the way, I could do this. Because that's really what we want in our kids. We want them not to just sort of, you know, decide when they're 10. I'm not mathy. I'm not good at math. I'm not going to do math well. We want them to think, okay, even if it's hard for me, I can grow and learn at whatever pace is appropriate for me. And so I'd say for parents who are in that place of feeling like, oh, I do not, I'm not good at math. The biggest change you can make that's most influential for your children is to adopt a, a growth mindset for yourself and help your kids develop a growth mindset too. Um, and that's another, I have an article on that actually on my website as well, of like some practical tips for how to develop a growth mindset around math. And um, it's it really is a game changer. You know, I think if I hadn't read Mindset, I honestly don't know if I would have started my website. You know, I've had to have very much of a growth mindset along the way to be like, I do not know how to do this yet, but I am going to figure it out or find someone who can tell me. Um, and so that's, I think, you know, homeschool moms, like I said, are super capable, super able to do this, but it requires being open to the fact that you could and being willing to grow. And then beyond that, there are so many good resources for homeschool moms um, who are teaching math. The, I think one of the best things that you can do if you're feeling really anxious about math is find a good teacher's guide or a program that has a good teacher's guide that when you look read it, you feel like it's talking to you in your language. You understand what it's saying because you know there are great things out there that will guide you step by step to help you teach math with confidence. Um, but just kind of handing your kid the book and hoping for the best isn't going to help you feel better about your math ability <laughs> and probably isn't going to help your child grow to their full potential either. So take advantage of those resources. Don't let those teacher's guides just like gather dust on the shelf because I know it's tempting too sometimes. <laughs> <But> <laughs> we can't all be superstars at every single thing we do. We can open that book and read what that lesson says and try to learn along with your kids as they go. I think that's really helpful because we do that for every other subject because no one's mm -hmm. taken science recently and we're all out there doing kitchen chemistry and botany. Mm -hmm. And so you can do it for math too. It's just getting over your own insecurities. Mm -hmm. Right. Just opening up that book and getting started can be really daunting when you're worried that you're not going to be able to understand it or know what's in there. So that's why I think, you know, so often we try to find math, like a math curriculum that fits our kids really well, but we also need to look for a curriculum that fits us well, <laughs> like a book that's going to help you along the way, not just your kid is also really important. My 11-year-old, actually, when I told her I was talking to a math teacher today, I said, so what should I ask? And she said, I just want to know how to make math more fun and less stressful. Mm. And it's, it's kind of a simple question, but I think really that's what parents are wondering too. So do you have any tips just for adding fun, making it less stressful and enjoying math together? Yes. Cause it can be a grind, especially when you're using a book where it just feels like drill after drill, after drill, after drill. 
I think one of the um, most fun ways to add more fun to math is through books and through games. Um, you, there's lots of picture books out there for younger kids. It can be harder for older kids. But even with an 11-year-old, um, oh, there's a great book called The Number Devil, where this little like devil uh, haunts this person's dreams, and they like explore all the properties of numbers, and it's really cute and well done and genuinely entertaining. Um, there's a book that my kids and I did a, like last year or two years ago in the summer, but it's appropriate for a huge age range called The Adventures of Penrose. And this is, have you, <laughs> you guys are nodding. Yeah. Um, my kids and, love Penrose. <laughs> oh, so good. It's all of this introduction to math so far beyond arithmetic, because you know, there's this whole world of beautiful math out there that kids aren't exposed to in the elementary years. And Penrose is a wonderful book for just kind of, you know, give me a little teaser for all the things that are out there, like fractals and group theory and probability and um, all of these topics that are waiting for kids and gives them a little taste with little activities and things. Um, so books, books about mathematicians as well. You know, all of this had to be invented by somebody. Um, and I think it does make math more interesting when you realize that. Um, I was tutoring a geometry student this week and he was, we were reading in his book, you know, like we have 360 degrees in a circle because that's what the Babylonians used. It's 4,000 years old, this concept wow. of 360 degrees in a circle. And they used it because they didn't have decimals. So they needed a number that was divisible by lots of things. And 360 is divisible by like two, three, four, five, six, you know, like lots of different numbers. Um, and what an appreciation that gives you for just a plain old circle to think that we're using like Babylonian units to <laughs> measure that, get out our protractor and measure that. Um, so looking for a historical links can be really fun too. Um, games, um, like I said, I'm all about the games, love using games to make math more fun. Um, and those can be adapted, you know, all up and down the scale. They're not just for younger kids. There's lots of things, lots of games out there for older kids. Um, and then making it as real life as possible, which can be hard on the fly. I mean, that's why you need a good curriculum that kind of helps you do that. I just think it's hard to make every lesson amazing and find the real life connection. Um, but the more you can just in your everyday lessons, um, you know, incorporate real life, incorporate some fun, be a little playful and just keep it light with mistakes, especially that it's not all about getting everything right. It's about learning and make a huge difference for how kids feel about math. Those are great tips. So for everybody out listening out there, where can we find you and what resources do you offer for homeschool parents? So my website is at kateshomeschoolmath.com. And there I have lots of articles and tips and advice for homeschool parents. I especially focus on elementary years at my website, um, but a lot of the advice is relevant beyond that too. Um, one thing, one of the biggest features of my website that people love is my curriculum reviews. Um, I have several curriculums that are my favorites that I have in-depth uh, reviews for. And so if people are wondering if, oh, what should I change that curriculum? What would be some good other options? That's a great place to start. Um, on my website, I also offer my Homeschool Math 101 course. And this was, honestly, I wrote this last spring when I should have been working on the book that I'm working on right now, but I got so excited <laughs> about it that I like, couldn't <laughs> let it go. Um, I'm paying for that actually right now. But it's a 10-part email course, and it's free that parents can just sign up for on my website. It's like everything you've kind of wondered about Homeschool Math, but just didn't have somebody to ask. Um, so it goes through... 
everything from like preschool, preschool math to math facts to learning the written algorithms, how to choose a curriculum, how to teach word problems, what mental math is all about, why it's important. Um, and so if anybody's out there kind of a new homeschooler or have feeling that growth mindset and they're ready to learn something new about homeschool math and show their children that they can grow and show themselves that they can grow in this area, uh, Homeschool Math 101 is a great place to start. Um, and then beyond that, I have five books out with the Well-Trained Mind Press, um, one book for preschoolers and four um, books in the Math Facts That Stick series. Those are all available at welltrainedmindpress.com uh, well and on Amazon if you search for Kate Snow. Perfect. Perfect. Oh, this, this is, has been so much fun. Yeah, this has been fantastic. And you know what I was just thinking? We're, we've, we've talked a lot. We've covered a lot of ground. But I'm wondering if maybe uh, people have math questions, if maybe you would want to come back sometime and we could address some more questions that people have. So, oh, that'd be so fun. Okay. Yeah, because be I'm great. sure this is just such a big thing for so many homeschool parents. I'm sure they're going to have more specific questions. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so... Something yeah. they wanted us to ask that we've missed. <laughs> <Yeah>. uh-huh. <laughs> that they're screaming at us. <laughs> Why aren't they asking about this? <laughs> <laughs> that would be great. I'd love to do that. This oh, awesome. Okay. Wonderful. Well, before uh, we go... We always like to ask um, about something that's bringing us joy. So is there something right now that's bringing you joy? Well, so one thing that I'm doing right now is I am learning bird calls. And this has just been like a lifelong goal of mine. I've always felt totally overwhelmed and frustrated that I couldn't recognize even like the birds in my backyard. You know, I like live in the city. There are not that many birds around here, but I still don't know what they are. And so I finally I found this uh, CD set that like organizes them in a way that I can actually start to wrap my head around them. And it's been so satisfying. I'm like, Hey, that's a blue jay. I know what that is. Um, and so that's giving me lots of joy right now as I, you know, that's rake the fine. leaves or bring in the garbage cans and actually know what I'm hearing. Would you mind emailing me that? And we will include it in the show notes because oh, I'm sure, sure there's sisters out there that want to learn bird calls. I would. (laughs) It was great. It really felt like a find to find something that organized it instead of just feeling like there's 300 bird calls to learn. Go. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of like math. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It just shows that growth mindset and how important it is to keep learning and to keep exploring things and looking for different ways to learn something if one way isn't working well for you, right? Mm -hmm, Exactly. It applies to all parts of life. What about you, Kate Curley? We are diving into fall today. So we, my kids finished homeschool early today, which has not been happening. <laughs> We've been kind of muddling through this past week, but um, we're going to watch Charlie Brown and have hot apple cider. And that's one of our favorite fall things. And it's super simple, but it's something we all look forward to. And if we get really crazy, we might take out some Halloween decorations because I've had people <laughs> chomping at the bit to get them down from the <laughs> attic. <laughs> I love that. Do you have it on DVD or how do you watch I it? Do. Okay. I, I was do. wondering if it was available through we like Amazon or something. It. Yeah. It is, is available on Amazon. It is? Okay. Oh, yes. now? okay. We we have bought all of the Charlie Brown holiday specials because they are also a big favorite in our house. And yeah. so we just have them on streaming. Perfect. We'll have to link to that in the show notes too. And speaking of what which, about you? yeah, mine is an Amazon thing. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Thank God for Amazon. Right? Oh, oh, hallelujah. Yeah. 
<laughs> Yesterday I ordered spirulina and cat food and it's going to be here in two days. It's awesome. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I was not feeling well last week and um, I watched a new show, new to me, it's not new, but... Um, it's Marvelous Miss Maisel, which I, I keep, I had to write it down because I keep saying it wrong. I keep saying Modern Miss Mason, who is a home, it's Leah Bowden, who's a homeschool mom and, <laughs> <laughs> and, and speaker and writer. Um, and then if not, I'll say uh, Modern Mrs. Darcy, who is also a blogger who writes about books. So I, I keep getting it wrong, but it's Modern, or it's, see, I just did it. Marvelous <laughs> Miss Maisel. And it is not safe for tiny ears unless you want them to learn some really interesting new vocabulary but it sure is a lot of fun and it kept me uh from getting too blue last week when I was feeling a little green okay sorry that was terrible um (laughs) (laughs) so I would definitely recommend it especially if you're a fan of Gilmore Girls and like that kind of writing because it's the same writing and uh directing folks I think that do it so so this has been fantastic. So much fun. I'm so Ugh. glad we finally had a chance to do this. And I think it would be great if we could start collecting some questions and maybe we can talk again. And That would be awesome. It's been so fun to hang out with you guys and talk math together. Perfect. Yeah, you can be our, our math phone a friend, our math like <laughs> <laughs> the homeschool the sisters. Show. Yeah, math be phone a friend. We might be doing that all the time. <laughs> I always love to talk math. (laughs) Well, thank you so much for coming on today. And you guys have a great rest of your week. Thanks. You too, Kara. Thanks, Kate. Okay. See you later. Bye. Bye. Thanks for hanging out with us today. We'd love to answer your question next, so head to our site, thehomeschoolsisters.com, and click on Ask Us a Question. We share posts over there, too, and you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Pinterest. We'd also love it if you'd leave us a review on iTunes so we can connect with more sisters out there. And until next time, remember, you've got